Welcome to day 281 of season two, Shaped by the Word, uh, the drama of scripture. I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe, Cindy Kemp, and Matt Kresge. Uh, we continue our journey through uh, the narrative passages of the Bible. We've chosen Matthew as our primary gospel because Matthew grabs uh, so many of the rich Old Testament themes we've uh, discovered throughout the year as we read through the Old Testament narrative passages and brings them into light. One of the favorite words, you know, that Matthew will use is the word fulfillment. And uh, what it really means is he brings into their fullness. Jesus brings into its fullness everything we saw in the Old Testament, from the tabernacle to the covenant to the person of the, the king on the throne of David. And all of these find their you know, fullness in Christ. Matter of fact, this week as we read, uh, you'll hear a couple of times the passage, uh, there is something greater here now and of course that greater is is jesus so we continue in matthew chapter 12 as we always do uh, we um we realize what a privilege it is to uh, have god's word and to enter into conversation with god through his word where we hear his voice and respond in heartfelt uh prayer you know to him so before we start let's uh, just offer ourselves in this moment to the lord uh, cindy do you mind lifting us up Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this time in your word, Father, that uh, we once again get to look at the life of Jesus, even hear his words. And so we would ask, Father, that you would open our eyes and our eye, um, our ears and our mind and heart, Father, that we might see wonderful things here, Father, that you would teach us, that you would um, deepen our love for you, and Lord, that we would want to follow you um, more more dearly, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And Matthew chapter 12. That time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some of the heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bed, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read the law that the priest on the Sabbath duty and temple desecrate the Sabbath, and yet they're innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, Looking for reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and was completely stored, just as uh, sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. This is my servant whom I have chosen, the one of my love and whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He'll not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory." In his name, the nations will put their hope. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? 
When the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to him, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possession unless he is first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house? Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. <clears throat> well, that's kind of a crazy way to end the reading today, uh, knowing that every empty word will be accounted for. Gosh. And of course, if there is a marker of our carelessness or a sloppiness of heart, it does come out in some of the casual and condemning and and judgmental and uh, you know crazy you know kind of things that we mm-hmm. uh, we say, but it's also a picture of how complete you know the transformative power of the gospel is. It goes down to the very heart, uh, which changes you know, the way that we think, everything that we do, and everything that we say. You know, bring it into submission, you know, with Christ. So we've continued to see you know Christ uh, in conflict uh, with the teachers of the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, those who should have known and should have expected Messiah were so set in their ways and their understanding of the law and what the law meant uh, that they failed to see in the person of Jesus, the very heart of God, uh, as he was revealed to them. Well, and even they go so far as to kind of say he's, you know, Belzebul driving out, like he's Satan working for Satan. They just so completely missed, you know, who he was um, as he does his healings, as he's teaching, and, and rather than wanting to honor him they are plotting to how to kill him and so just a complete miss of of the the messiah to come on their end no doubt you know isaiah you know reminds us what of them who call evil good and good evil and of course how how much greater is that uh, uh that wrong whenever we call you know the most perfect one an uh, evil one mm-hmm. and uh, that is you know, exactly you know their assessment and, and what a big mess um we hear the words of Jesus, either they, they convict us and they bring us into repentance or they offend us and, and make us quite defensive. And, of course, they're, they're going to great lengths, uh, you know, to, uh, to kind of cover and run. You have to love, too, is, you know, the religious leaders keep missing Jesus. You know, the, the, those in need are not. They're coming to him. And, you know, you have the man with the shriveled hand in the temple. Then you have Jesus withdrawing and large crowds coming and he's healing those who are ill. And, and it's if the Pharisees are missing him, the religious leaders are missing him, you know, Matthew's concerned that we don't miss him. And and so he started, you know, at the beginning of his gospel with the baptism of Jesus. And you you know, if 
we, we hear that refrain that we hear in uh, Matthew 12, 18. Here's my servant whom I've chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. It's almost like Matthew's about, about halfway through his gospel and he's just reminding us, you know, here it is again. He is the fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah said. He is the one in whom God delights and has put his spirit upon him. And, and he's doing exactly, you know, what he what he should be doing. And just another fantastic example of how Jesus brings into fullness everything we've seen in the Old Testament yeah. story. Mm-hmm. And when we look back at Isaiah, all of a sudden it becomes very clear that it was a spotlight that was shining on Jesus you know, all the time. And of course you have <clears throat> the Pharisees very meticulous about mm-hmm. you know specific things in the law. I don't know if what the you know, disciples are doing by harvesting grain is Technically against the law, I know that uh, you know that God told uh, you know the Israelites when He was providing manna not to go out and to gather it on the Sabbath. So maybe you have you know that kind of idea that they're gathering, mm-hmm. you know, or harvesting, you know, on, on on the Sabbath. But you have this wonderful thing, you know, that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You know that that God is the one who is over these, and of course He's granted that authority to His Son, you know, whom He loves. And the Sabbath is not just a matter of meticulous rule keeping. Mm-hmm. It's something that has a far bigger uh, meaning and significance, you know, in the person of God and in the work of God. Mm-hmm. Not only we find our rest in a day, but we find our rest in Him. And of course, that rest is, you know, as He makes a point here, a restorative rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and that rest is exactly how Chapter Eleven ends with Him telling, "Come to Me," you know, mm-hmm. not just come to this day, but Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah. And it's so easy to lose um, the heart of the gospel when you look at um, him, you know, telling them, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. And so, I, you know, I, we find that sometimes we can be so caught up in the rules and the legalism and the offering of a sacrifice without, you know, the heart or whatever behind it. And yet he, He's already told us, you know, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount that uh, we, we somehow make it into an art form mm-hmm. uh, to see, you know, small inconsistencies in others and miss the large inconsistencies in ourselves. And just how can anything be more innocent than grabbing a few, you know, a few heads of grain, you know, on, on, a, on a Sabbath? And how could anything, you know, be such a big mess and mm-hmm. to not reach out you know, to God's people with compassion? Mm-hmm. And of course, mercy there is you know a translation of a bigger word that's not just to have pity on someone, but it's to see them with the covenant love and the faithfulness that God Himself sees us. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a rich, a rich kind of a Old Testament, New Testament idea that when we have been loved or received mercy the way that we've received, you know, covenant mercy, that we will become people who extend and invite people into you know covenant mercy. And you can't help but miss that it was even because of his mercy that he actually became our sacrifice too. So he's he's even the better the better and best sacrifice. So. <laughs> yep, and, there, and there's that first time you get it. You know, something greater than the temple is here, mm-hmm. uh, and so you have uh, you have that you know kind of bring forth of, of those types. You know, the everything that the temple you know portrayed, which is the intersection between heaven and God and the place where God dwells with man, is being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You know, in the person of Christ. So it's a fun passage with some fun uh, Old Testament references. Mm-hmm. David, do you mind um, closing in a word of prayer? No, let's pray. 
And Father, we do thank you that something greater than the temple is here, and that that is Christ. And thank you that in him we find rest, and in him um, we do experience um, the mercy of God. And as those who have experienced the mercy of God, you've invited us as your people to extend that mercy and to do good and to serve and to care for those around us in the very way that you've cared for us. So may we be those sorts of people. Father, give us pure hearts, guard our mouths, guard our lips. May we live and speak as those that honor you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.